Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello everybody, welcome to Small Room, where sometimes I say the small room by accident. This podcast is going to be an experience worth listening to. And that's it. Enjoy. Uh, It's 9.58. Welcome to the first ever episode of The Small Room. I have my boy, Richard Smithies. He needs no introduction. He is a business mogul at the age of 17? Yeah, 17. At the age of 17, started up his own company at 16, and he is going to go places. Uh, So, Richard, for the audience, can you explain your company's company helios yeah. mining what's what it's all uh, about yeah for sure uh thank you for the introduction uh so my business is called helios mining and what we do is we mine cryptocurrencies in a more environmentally friendly way so we sell our energy to power our mining devices that's kind of a brief snapshot of it all right so could you explain this to me why is mining through so through like solar panels better than just like Normal plugging mining. in a computer yeah. Okay, so the thing about Bitcoin mining is it requires a lot of electricity, right? Because you're powering these high-powered computers that have graphics cards or specific technology or hardware to mine cryptocurrencies. And that's very electricity intensive. And you have to pay for the electricity. And over time, that's a lot of money. So we like combat that through using solar energy. And it's a one-time expense to buy the solar panels. But once you do it, you're getting free energy. So once you pay it off completely, it's you're basically getting free electricity. And Makes thus, sense. Yeah, mining for free. Yeah, because when my brother was doing – for a time, he was doing Bitcoin mining, and it was taking up a lot of electricity. Yeah. So he had to stop it because the amount of electricity that was being consumed was overshadowing the amount of yeah, Bitcoin exactly. he was mining. It's, it's not profitable. Yeah. Yeah. So for your company, Helios Mining – are, are you planning to expand it? What's going on? Uh, so uh, I started the business my sophomore year, right, as a, as a thing for school initially, as like a business plan. Uh, didn't think I'd actually start it. Then I realized that I could compete with it, right, because there was like a $100 prize pool. So I was like, sure, I'll do it. And that just took off. And from there, I just kept going. And then I made it pretty far, uh, went to nationals with it. And through the process, I got investors. Uh, I wanted to start it, but I just knew that the timing wasn't so well. This was 2018 when cryptocurrency wasn't doing so well. So I didn't actually start it. But of course, I am always you know, looking for that right moment to start it, that time. Yeah, because yeah, before the podcast, I, I looked up your name on Google just to see what would come, come up. And one of the things that came up was a Miami Herald article in which you won an investment of four thousand um, dollars you presented a specific that specific pitch about how helios mining was the best way uh to get bitcoin right or are yeah. there any were there any other competitions that you competed in to get more investors or was just that just the one uh so that was through nifty uh network for teaching entrepreneurship and that was the one that was run through the school and that was just, you know, that was the only one I competed in. But I've also expanded. Uh, actually, this in one week exactly, I'm going to San Francisco to compete uh, with Adrian Padilla and Charles Somer. Oh, re- wait, those you guys are competing? Uh, yeah. So I decided uh, I got someone reached out to me through LinkedIn uh, for like a national competition. 
they heard about my business and they wanted me to come out. So I'm going to Berkeley University to uh, compete at the national level and hopefully international level if I you know, go that far. Uh, I hope that goes really, really well. So back to what you were saying earlier when the timing wasn't right for for Bitco- Bitcoin at that time. Why wasn't it right? This is just me being curious. Yeah. So Bitcoin, uh, it's been around since 2009, but it really only gained interest uh, like that, that 2017, uh, like our sophomore year, something like that. So, you know, it was like June, I think, where it started really taking off. And that's when I got into it. And by December, Bitcoin had gone from 3,000 in June to 19,000. So it had uh, a natural growth and that created a sort of bubble. And that made investing in it really bad because a lot of people were getting in for FOMO or fear of missing out, which resulted in just unnatural growth. And then the market going to go into this bearish, not profitable turn of events. It would just it just didn't make sense to go in. Yeah, because what you're saying is what happened in when you when you were thinking about the business of investing Bitcoin, the point in which you were thinking about it, the bubble was starting like if the bubble popped. That's that was already when it was on its downtrend. And if I got in, I would have lost money. Right. I would have just it's like catching a falling dagger. It just it would have been terrible. And then when you decided to go in, that was the right time because that's when the bubble started. Yeah, it started going back up. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to get, you know, see the low and get in. And that's what I'm trying to do. Speaking of Helios mining, what's one thing people like misunderstand about the Bitcoin industry and specifically Bitcoin mining? Uh, So one thing I think that a lot of people don't know is there's more than one cryptocurrency. So a lot of people, they think of cryptocurrency and they think immediately of Bitcoin. And if they know a little bit, Ethereum. But the thing is, there's thousands of coins and each with their own use case. So our company, people think we only mine Bitcoin. And that's not true. What we what we do is we market ourselves as that because that's what people understand easiest. But we mine the most profitable coin at the time. So there's a lot of websites that tell you, oh, uh, IOTA, Grimcoin, this coin, that like uh, what a bunch of different coins. And it tells you what's best to mine. And then our company would plug this into an algorithm that we have through nice hash or something like that to mine. All right. So it's kind of like putting your eggs in multiple baskets where exactly. instead of investing all of your money and time onto this one Bitcoin, you mine multiple other Bitcoins. So if one grows, the other, like the other, yeah, if the exactly. other one, other, like, other coins, right. All right. Yeah. So when you started from, from when you started to now, what's one thing you wish you had known when you started a company? Um, the amount of time that goes into it. So you think like, you know, just starting an idea, it's like very simple, right? I'll give you an example, a lemonade stand. You think it's like, oh, just get the lemons, you know, it's been like, just get the lemons, make the lemonade, sell it. But there's so much more that goes in depth. You have to like do payroll, even if, like even for my job, I'd have to pay myself something just, just so I could write it as a tax expense. Or if I form an LLC, the amount of tax advantages that I get. I mean, there's so many like different aspects of uh, marketing, uh, target like market uh, analysis, who's really buying it? Uh, is your product going to be there for the long term? There's just so many more questions that are there that you really don't notice at first. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could only imagine somebody like like you would have to balance like all of the responsibilities, not only of running a business, but, you know, whatever 
whatever else you would have to do, like school, like yeah, having to balance exactly. that. Is, so and, like would, you, you sacrifice a lot of time doing it. So. So would you say you've been able to balance that, or? I mean, I think it's it's difficult, right? I mean, I think I managed fairly well, but it's definitely something that like it takes a toll on you. Fortunately for me, it was something that I liked, so I did it on cryptocurrencies, and that's when I was getting really into it. But if you don't like the subject, it's really not going to go well for you. And uh, so I'd suggest make sure it's something you like, because a lot of people just do it for, let's say, it's very cliche to say, but a lot of people do it for the money, and you get burnt out or just exhausted from it really quick. No, I get that. It's kind of like with YouTube, where everyone thinks if they start their own YouTube channel, they're going to be able to exactly. buy a Lamborghini the next Exactly. One. No, you have to put in time to make it time, grow. efforts, like make sure you like the content you're doing and stuff like that. Yeah, because if you're only doing it for the money, I'm sorry to tell you, but the money's not going to come for like uh, like yeah. at least five years or something like that, if it even comes at all. It's like yeah, when exactly. it's, it's like when yeah. Amazon started, it took them like five or seven years before they even turned the profit, I think. Yeah. Like it just took a really, really long time. Like a lot of companies aren't profitable in their first year. So if you don't really like what you're doing, it's just not going to go well for you. You're going to lose hope. You're going to lose you know, faith in your company, your idea. It's just not gonna go well. Because so. uh, what bothers me, like, like uh, uh, what people think about Bitcoin, the stereotype is that they think it's like a get-rich-quick scheme where exactly, yeah. They think, oh, if I put in this amount of money now, it like I'm automatically guaranteed growth. But at the same time, it, it, it's like it's, it's unpredictable. It's unpredictable. That's, yeah. It's just like stocks. You know what I mean? If you exactly. you could think of it like just a way riskier stock. That's a simplified way to put it in investing terms. Yeah, no, but at the same time, it's kind of the future because it's digital currency, which makes yeah. it easier to buy and sell things. Exactly. Online. It's based off blockchain technology, which is a whole different, you know, it's like a, there's Bitcoin and then there's a the technology behind it, which is why it's so revolutionary. It's decentralized and it's a, it's a whole different talk there. Uh, would it. you happen to know if any sort of countries um, are sort of... Are, are sort of like legitimizing Bitcoin in the sense that they're like they're integrating it into their official yeah. economy. So I I can't remember where, but I think it was like a Nordic country. I want to say like Denmark or something like that, where they tried implementing like Bitcoin or blockchain as a bank system. And I know it didn't work, but that's like I think that defeats the whole purpose of it. The whole point is so it doesn't rely on like a country, a government, a corporation. Its whole point is to be, you know, decentralized, be free. And uh, so a real world use case would be Venezuela. Um, so basically, if you're in Venezuela and you're trying to leave and you have gold, you can't really take that with you because customs uh, officials, like they take it, right? And you, you have no assets. So what I was reading up on is a lot of people put their money into Bitcoin because customs officials can't take that from you. They can't, you know, like go into your Bitcoin wallet address, which is like online. And they can't steal that money from you. So it's it's something that's like that's just one use case of Bitcoin in the real world. Yeah, that's something my brother told me where the reason why in the long term it's sort of like it it, it, it could be better to put your like a good money like to, into Bitcoin. Not all of it, but, you know, just yeah, a little investment seed money into Bitcoin is because as of now, the government can't tax it. Yeah. And the IRS, I think it was last week where they it, it's self-reporting taxes. So basically, no one's going to, you know, report that they have thousands of dollars in Bitcoin because they don't want to pay taxes. And like the IRS last week sent out a letter to like people saying like, oh, if you have crypto, this, that. So they're trying to catch on, but 
it's an unregulated asset, so how well can they really do it? I mean, I think what's going to happen within the next few years is if Bitcoin is growing, like you you, you think, right? Like you think it's going to like grow. Yeah, like, I, I think oh. it's going to go on an upward trend. Yeah. Yeah. So if it goes within that upward trend within the next few years, I think my prediction is doesn't matter who's president, Republican, Democrat, whatever. I think Congress is going to genuinely pass le- legislation both in the House and the Senate and the president, whoever they they may be, is going to sign it off. And make it so that you're legally required to yeah. it's just gonna be so hard to enforce that. I I don't see how. Like it's because how are they gonna know what you have? It's like if they'd have to go through like your, your SSD or your hard drive. Like they can't enfor- like they can't search manually. So it's gonna be super hard to enforce. And then again, there's also privacy coins that are its sole purpose is to like not be found. Or not be like thought like you can't see where the transaction went, or it's like completely private. So that's going to be something really interesting to see how they try and handle it. I mean, I feel like what they would do is they would just like you said, they would just try to invade people's privacy, which it's been shown that the government has been doing that for the past few years to yeah. to see their assets. And yeah. if if that does happen, that's going to be a very, very scary day. Not only yeah. for the people who are invested in Bitcoin, but just for general users of computers. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, what's one advice you would give to somebody pursuing not just Bitcoining, but just starting a business in general? Like, uh, I, So, just uh, – sorry, what? Uh, just uh, continue. My just, bad. Just, okay, that's no, fine. Um, like I like I think I mentioned it before. Uh, something you're passionate about. Realize the time that goes into it. Uh, partnerships. Uh, that's something that I actually had a problem with early on. I had a partnership uh, because a kid wanted the grade for the class, and then when I won, he wanted money. So that's just like a small thing of make sure you know who you're getting in bed with, right? Uh, know what you're getting into. Uh, don't just do it because they're your friend. Uh, you know, make them make sure they know what they're talking about and that they know what they're doing. Yeah, I get you. Like, you don't want to bring somebody I, into exactly. the team unless they they're a genuine good asset to the team. And sometimes it's hard because it's like your friend and all, right? But if they're really your friend, they would understand that it's for the best, and they would they would be okay with it. I think so. Yeah, no, I and I think if somebody like really was your friend, like they would understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because. Cause like I remember you telling me that the way you founded um, Helios Mining was that you had you took DE business yeah and you, and the big project uh, at the end of the class was to create a business right yeah so uh, do you want me to explain on that or oh uh, yeah sure It'd so nice. I I took that class because a friend recommended it to me I was like sure I've never taken a business class before that and then the first week she's like oh do it on something you like. And like that past summer, I had been reading up on cryptocurrencies and I had invested a little bit into it. So I figured perfect opportunity. And my teacher knew nothing on it. So it was a little bit difficult because sometimes like for market analysis, I'd have to pinpoint like who's buying Bitcoin. And I can't really answer that question because it's the whole world. So it's like I would get like a C on that assignment. And it'd be really annoying because I answered to the best of my ability, but she wouldn't see it. So it'd be like a it'd be hard to to kind of do well in that class and then i when i competed there was like a hundred dollar gift card and that's i was like you know what fuck it i'll do it 
Sorry, I don't know if I could curse. No, you can curse. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so I was like, oh, whatever, I'll do it for like the money. Uh, didn't think I'd win, especially as like a sophomore going against like seniors. I thought like, yeah, like whatever, definitely. But there was like a second place prize money, so I was like, that's fine with me. And I ended up winning. And honestly, the business class, it's I think what led me down this whole path of like entrepreneurship, finance. I had never like that year I took that class as an elective and accounting by accident. And those two classes have like just changed everything for me. Like they led me to this uh, KPMG internship, which is like super big. Uh, they led me to like this uh, international uh, finance bank, I think it's called. And it's big brothers, big sisters, like where I go there once a month and gain like experience. Like it's just led me down this financial path. So that one class really opened everything up. I mean, I just want to say when you were talking about how the teacher was giving you C's, I just want to say you were doing something right because if your teacher doesn't understand your 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 genius thinking, that means like you're doing something right. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, like she, her her telling me no, or like me getting bad grades only motivated me more. Right? She's like, it, it's like super cliche. It's like, oh, when people tell you no, you just want to do it more, like that type of thing. So it kind of oh. motivated me. But. Yeah. Uh, so um, how's that? internship you you were just talking about it yeah so that internship goes to it, it was my sophomore year and it would go to juniors right because in NAF you have to do an internship uh your junior year and because i did so well on my business plan the t uh like one of the teachers was like oh yeah you could try interning uh interviewing for it and then i got it and it was like 15 dollars an hour it was at a big four accounting firm which is like world renowned uh, they're one of like the best accounting firms in the world. And I managed to get it my sophomore year. And then again, this year I applied for it and I got it. So I did it two years in a row. Oh, wow. Um, so you, you're, you're a real life accountant and you, yeah. So I, I go to the accounting place, uh, KPMG, uh, it's in Brickell city center. I would work on Excel, uh, just a whole bunch of things, foreign entities, applying codes to invoices, uh, like fixing balance sheets, uh, just a bunch of stuff. Wow, <laughs> awesome, bro! Awesome. Yeah, it was it was a great learning experience. Uh, name one unique skill that has made that has made you a successful businessman. Uh, ambition. It's definitely because, like, so when I had the business plan opportunity, right, and I started getting bad grades for it, or like not bad grades, but like. I could have gotten, yeah, I could have gotten easy A's if I had done like a lemonade stand. I thought about it. I almost did it. I remember telling my brother, like, I think I might just stop and just do a lemonade stand just so I could get the easy A because it was a dual enrollment, you know, and I and I really cared about like, you know, it's a dual enrollment. It counts for your college GPA. So I was like, I can't really afford getting like a B or a C. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to I'm going to shoot, shoot my shot. I'm going to go go big or go home type thing. Uh, yeah. And fortune favors the bold. So here we are. So within w within school, uh, all right, are, are you planning to go to college? And if you are, what score are you going to that is specifically designed for entrepreneurship? So there's two. Uh, one is Wharton. Uh, that's UPenn. It's an Ivy League school. It's world known as the number one finance school or anything really business yeah. and that school is i mean obviously i'm competitive and i want to be at the best place i can possibly be at so i want to go there 
uh, or Babson, which is number one in entrepreneurship. And they're, I mean, they're a great program. They're located in Boston. But honestly, uh, you mentioned if you want to go to college. And that's interesting because I was looking at it and there's a thing called the Thiel, the Thiel Grant or something, the Thiel Scholarship, where you don't go to college. You have to be under 25 years old. You don't go to college, but you get a 100K grant to start your own business. Whoa. <laughs> so you have to like compete for it or something and you can get it. So honestly, if between here and there, I come up with a good enough business, uh, that's always an option. Yeah, because it was just like what you were talking about earlier with the lemonade stand. The lemonade stand is safe and easy. You know exactly. What else is safe and easy? College. College is college is a guaranteed top to the middle. You know what I mean? It's not guaranteed to the top, but you're guaranteed a place in the middle. Exactly. Whereas this, this is a big risk, but it's also a big reward. Exactly. Where if, yeah. Where where I where if you know what you're doing, which I confident that you do. And you know how to invest the money, make it grow over time. Yeah, of course. It's going to be a big reward. Yeah, so risk and reward, I guess. I mean, That's... other other than those two colleges, like, would you consider just, like, staying in Florida, like, for yeah. state? So I have, like, a, a college list, obviously, and uh, UNC, uh, Boston College, UF, uh, if I stay in state. Uh, but I, I most likely want to get out. It's just very expensive. So is entrepreneurship always something you knew you wanted to do, or did you uh, stumble upon it in the DE class? Yeah. I, before that, I had never taken anything. And I remember it, in ninth grade, you have to take inquiry skills. And at the end of the year, you do a project on, like, oh, what you want to do when you grow up. And I, I put, like, YouTuber, right, because I play a lot of video games, so I wanted to be, like, a gamer. Or I put, uh, like, video game coding. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know at all what I wanted to do. I just thought video games, you know, because that's what I like to do. And then that that year I took uh, dual enrollment off a of friend's advice and accounting because I didn't get activities that year. And huh. yeah, accounting's a great class. All right. So um, if if I was an investor and I right. had a hundred bucks in my pocket. What would you, Richard Smithies, recommend I do with that money? So, uh, <laughs> so when it comes to investing, uh, <laughs> you have to see uh, your risk tolerance. I think is number one, right? How comfortable are you with losing your money quickly, or gaining it super quickly, right? It goes either way. Because if you want, you know, one percent, two percent returns, you put it in a bank. If you want five percent well like three to four percent you put it in bonds average of eight percent you put it into like a safe stock you want more more aggressive but you have obviously the, the higher the return the more risk you can go into like stocks like tesla or very volatile stocks if you're even higher cryptocurrencies and at the highest uh one that i recently tried getting into which is options which uh basically you're betting on the price of a stock so if I think tomorrow Apple is going to shoot to $1,000, right, the stock price, I can buy a contract saying, I think this is going to happen. And you buy each Apple stock at a certain cent amount, and the returns on that are insane. I've seen people go in 17 hours from $4,000 to like $75,000. It's insane, the profit margins. But again, you could lose that all in just seconds. So... 
I'd yeah. say that's uh, that's how it goes from banks to options. All right. So within within the time you started your company to right now as we are speaking, um, has there been one failure, if any, and like what if there was, what did you learn from it specifically about the company, like running stuff? Uh, or, I'd say limit your expectations and past performance doesn't guarantee future success. So when I was investing into cryptocurrency 2017, right, when it was getting big, everything was going up and you feel like a genius, right? Because you see your portfolio and you see it up 70% and you think, wow, I'm super good. Like I know what I'm doing, but you have to like zoom out a bit and be like, uh, be like, and, and see uh, how everything is going up so it's not you doing anything specific. It's just the whole trend. So you have to be, you have to humble yourself in a way. And it's hard to do that, you know, because you get greedy, you get cocky, you get arrogant. You think you know what you're doing. So just running the company, uh, I, like I thought I knew what I was doing. And then when the bubble popped, it was, you know, it was a hard time because you were doing so well. And all of a sudden it's just all gone. So I think just know where you stand and pick yourself up because it's always winnable yeah that's that, i think that's what we were describing earlier when we were talking about starting the business what's the hardest thing and it's sort of the same thing between what's like your failure in the sense that when you start like people have these high high ass expectations and then like when one thing just goes wrong they're just like uh, yeah exactly like, and they just uh <laughs> sorry uh this is like a small thing uh but it kind of applies to that like when i'm presenting uh in front of like the the one I had the the one I had to present the most people in front of was like 150 200. I hate presenting, and when you're up there, like you just have to know you're gonna make mistakes. You know you're gonna like mess up when you're talking, or you just, something's gonna go wrong. But you just have to you know go along with it, breeze through it. Uh, I remember uh, that one. It was the regionals, and it was to see who wins the four thousand dollars. My PowerPoint they had sent the wrong one, so I didn't have the <laughs> correct PowerPoint. Whoa. So literally like 30 minutes before I go up. She's like, all right, guys, just make sure you have all your PowerPoints. And it wasn't there. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I had to log into like my Google thing, send it to her. And then when it came on stage, my all my financials were like messed up because it was like Google Doc into like uh, Word Doc, like PowerPoint. So it was all messed up. And I'm in front of 200 people. And you, what, what are you going to do? You know, you have to keep just keep going with it. And I think that's applicable to just business in general or life, really. Things are going to go wrong. Just yeah work through it yeah i took a public speaking course this summer and like one of like the most important thing i learned from public speaking a great public speaker isn't somebody who could just read a script all right it's somebody who could completely be put into a situation and spitball and go through it not bs but sort of pick themselves up quickly yeah and, and stay on their feet and i think that's really important not just to starting a business but being successful in any in area general. of life yeah for sure yeah, because if you if you bomb the interview, you're not gonna get the job. Or... Exactly. You need to be a likable person. Like you could have everything perfect, but if they don't want to work with you, why would they pick you? You need to be able to express yourself, go with the flow, know what you're talking about, be confident in yourself. And that, I see a lot of people like uh, I had to sit in for some interviews for for this thing, and I actually conducted interviews as NAF president, which we could touch on later. But uh. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of people aren't confident in themselves and also like when you ask them questions, they just give you like one word responses. Like 
you know, tell me who you are and stuff like that. So just be confident. Now, and on the flip side of that, let's say you are somebody who is getting interviewed or you're applying for a job or whatever you're applying for, and either the interview goes horribly or you go to the interview, you think you did great, you don't get the job, or you don't. worst of all, you don't even get an interview at all, and you're in that situation. I think the thing to always think is this person doesn't want to work with me, therefore I don't want to work with them. You know what yeah, I mean? That mentality exactly. of – Yeah, people like they go into job interviews and they think it's one-sided. They think – well, like, what do like what do I have off to, to offer to like the company? Instead, the company like needs to see it's it's a match. It's not just one sided of why wow, I want to work there so badly. I want to work there so badly. You need to show the company what you can offer them, and it goes both ways. And I think so. that's what people misunderstand just about like applying for jobs or just applying for anything in general is just because you have the stats doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna get it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, it's a more holistic thing. Yeah. All right, so now do you want to touch upon the NAF stuff? Because I'm pretty interested. Yeah, so uh, I was in IB, uh, 9th and 10th grade, and I just felt like IB wasn't for me. I didn't feel like I wanted to do the essay. Uh, I didn't want to, like, have the stress of – I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, right? It's, no, no, IB's a bitch. <laughs> uh, like, I, I mean, I hear that a lot, but you get the you get the certificate or the diploma, sorry, and you get like, bright futures. Like, it's it's a good program. But I just feel like it wasn't for me. I felt like I wanted more like freedom in my schedule. If I took IB, I couldn't take like a ca- like accounting, a bunch of like other finance classes or things like that. Uh, so just NAF was better for me. It also helped me get my internship. And through there, uh, once I once you do it at high school, you get it at the college level. And if you get it at college level, it's basically a full time job. So I just felt like with the internship, uh, I felt like finance, obviously, Academy of Finance, it's what I'm interested in. So I went to NAF at the end of 10th grade year, and from there I went into junior year, uh, took five APs, so I wasn't slacking still, colleges see that I'm still rigorous in my like studies. Uh, participated in FPLA, I'm now a board member of that, and then I applied for president of Academy of Finance, and I got it. Congrats. And yeah. I want to say for you specifically, for somebody who not only knows what they want to do when they grow up and what they want to do for the future, not not only is that the case, but there's an academy specifically at Gables, NAF National Academy of Finance, exactly. which tailors to that business mindset. And IB is great for if you don't really know what you want to do, but you're dedicated and you want to do the work. But NAF is really more sort of tailored exactly. for those people. Yeah. Because they because like they make you take inter- internships and they make you yeah. take like accounting like, classes and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just it just made more sense to to do NAF. And for a lot of people, like you said, they don't know what they want to do. But for someone that wants to do business or wants just even more freedom in their schedule to do what they want, I highly suggest NAF is a great alternative. Yeah, and I I think this is something people don't really understand. But you know that colleges see AP, IB. And DE is literally the exact same yeah, thing, which exactly. is college advanced classes. So it's re- so let's say you're in IB and you take like I don't know like a total 12, 12 IB classes, and there's another kid who wasn't in IB who took twelve AP classes. They're equal. Colleges see that equally. Yeah, but I feel like there's like a like a stigma of like people thinking IB is superior. And oh also, no, for sure, for sure. And I, like yeah, like I, a lot of the people look down on everyone else, which I think is something that should be changed and also a lot of colleges don't accept sls from ib so they only accept hls like hl credits and you can only get like two or three 
Yeah. Uh, and like you could take a ton of APs and they accept a lot of APs. So that's also one of the reasons why I left so I could get more credits. No, because because with IB, the only reason why you would ideally want to do it is is just like I said earlier, you don't know when you want what you want to do. Yeah. And also because not gonna lie, you kind of get just a little bit of special treatment. Not like you get everything, but like just a little bit more attention is kind of put on you. you yeah. Know yeah. But, I, yeah. Exactly. Like it's easier to schedule an appointment with an IB guidance counselor than it is to sort of schedule one with like. Yeah, a I remember. Counselor. I remember f- f- sophomore year. I uh, I wanted to get into theater, right? Because all the IB kids had theater, and like all my friends were in that class. And instead of theater, I got acting, and acting is like with everyone else, and like there's like no IB kids in that class. So I remember like kids wanted schedule change because it was like a new teacher or something. So they kept going to like the teacher, and they were like, "Oh, can we get a schedule change?" Like, "No, no, you're not gonna go. You can't schedule out." And then I went up to the teacher and I go, "Can I go?" And she's like, "Did you not hear what I said?" I'm like, "But I'm an IB." She's like, "Oh, okay, you can go. You can go." And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it was so stupid, like how much of a privilege it was. But uh, yeah, and I feel like the teachers are typically better in IB. And just... I mean, and that too, I, I really forgot to mention that. Because all the attention is sort of put on the IB program itself, like all the quality teachers go to IB. Yeah. I mean, I think that should be changed because I don't think IB kids should get special treatment. That was the whole thing with that Twitter beef, right? Uh, like, I I didn't get into that beef. No. No, but you know what beef I'm talking about, right? Uh oh, I think I do. Yeah, like the one yeah. where the yeah, yeah the the one where like this girl couldn't go to prom and then she tweets at the superintendent, "Hey, I can't go to prom, but they're letting IB kids and football players." Oh my god, that whole thing. Yeah. That thing was the whole thing was so stupid. And then apparently like they like the principal called her into the office or something. I don't think anything happened, but yeah. so that, that that whole thing was so, so dumb. It got it got pretty big. Yeah. It got pretty big and then like all the IB kids were like, "No, yeah. we don't get any special treatment." And then that that was half of the argument. Then the other half was, "No, we deserve it because of all the hard work we do." Exactly. It was like 50-50. It was, it was like 50-50. And then all the like most of the non like most if not all of the non IB kids were like, no, you don't deserve special treatment. Like even if you get it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Uh, Alright. So how have like how how have your parents like reacted to your business model? Like are are they kind of like the old sort of like what's what's Bitcoin? Or are they <laughs> or they've taken the time to sort of listen to you and like, oh, this is like awesome. Yeah, yeah so at first, yeah, my dad was, like, the first reaction. He had, like, no idea he was against it. Uh, he, I mean, he thought, like, a lot of people, it was a scam. It was an unproven technology. Uh, nothing backs it up, that whole thing. And my mom also believed that at first. But uh, she started reading articles. She started trying to learn about it. And so that made the whole process, like, a little bit easier, especially since I had to invest through her name. Like, I had to buy. Because you're a minor, right? Uh, Sorry? Because continue my bad. yeah 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 because I'm a minor so I wouldn't be able to buy uh you have to be 18 so I'd have to go through her and then she like learned about it little by little and she got really interested so it was at first it was hard right as you would assume but it got easier uh, over time and they supported me so it was cool uh, other than business related talk what 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 are you curious in right now uh so right now uh, soccer starting for me. Uh, that's gonna be super fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not, 
I'm not that excited for it, but uh, it's something to do. Also, I'm on an Overwatch team. Uh, so basically, uh, I play a lot of video games, and I joined a team because uh, I'm really high ranked. And this September, I have a tournament for money. So that's going to be really fun. You, oh, you heard about the kid, the Fortnite kid, right? Yeah, the one who won more than most. Dollars. More than more most than, pro... like PGA, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. He must have been like a really, really good player. I mean, it's and it's like a dead game too. Like a lot of people stopped playing it, but the tournament still had so much like people like watching it and like the game still pulled in numbers for it being a quotation marks dead game. Right, really? You think Fortnite is a dead game? I think it's still pretty alive. I mean, like, I don't think it's as good as it was back season one, season two, season three. Yeah. But I still oh, think geez. there's, like, a lot of people yeah. like, playing it. Yeah, I guess. All the normies. <laughs> all, all the normies sort of playing Fortnite, trying to, yeah. like... Stay stage uh, relevant. Hmm. Uh, do you know anything about the, that's going on in the video game industry right now? Uh, any, any, any gamer news? <laughs> uh, I mean... Overwatch League, I know it's it's becoming more and more popular. Uh, they're trying to like build stadiums for it. A lot of people are investing in it. Uh, video games, uh, a lot of good games coming out, like COD Modern Warfare, which is going to be sick. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what else. All right. Uh, so I mean, do you want to? I think I think now is a pretty good time, right? To uh, to, to like end, yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, for or, sure. Or, or, I mean, okay. I think- I think it's pretty good. All right. Um, is there anything that I didn't cover that you want to talk about? Because I, I make sure uh, to have these questions prepared. If there's anything you want to say, say it. I think you covered everything. You did a, a very good job. Uh, actually, something I actually wanted to mention. Go right uh, ahead. Back to the business thing. Um, a lot of people, uh, they say they like their business, like, you know, cryptocurrency or this, that. But I say go to events and try and be involved with, like, the community. So I partook in, like, a lot of Reddit uh forums things like that but also uh like for example the north american bitcoin conference it happened in january and the tickets were like 500 dollars. and i obviously didn't want to pay that much so i reached out to the people like hosting the event and i told them look i'm a student and they gave me the tickets for free and i also went to like another event uh and i met investors there i met people that were willing to help me start my business willing to just even just give me guidance teach me like any basically mentors and i got a bunch of free shirts uh so like i mean it's just great to go out there and i'd highly suggest just be involved in what you're interested so go out and do what you like all right um this podcast is going to be available like right now it's 10:37 p.m. on thursday night it's going to be available tomorrow august 2nd um it's going to be on Spotify and SoundCloud. Do you think that's enough? I think most people just would listen to it on those two platforms, right? Yeah, I think I think that's pretty good. All right. Um, this is The Small Room. Richard Smithies was my first guest. I am so eternally grateful. This honestly went so smoothly. Yeah. This is this is gold, and I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> uh, thank you. All right. Richard, continue... Continue what you're doing, and I hope to see great things in the future. And if there's anything major that's happening in your life within the next year or two that you want to talk about on this podcast, let yeah, me know. Just, yeah, just invite me back. I'll be there. All right. Great. Thank you so much. No problem.
Peace out. Peace out. If you really like this episode, please subscribe or whatever it is you do on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast to add me and make sure that you're available and you can see when future content is uploaded. Thank you. Bye.